You're listening to a Franciscan Voice podcast. Your voice for all things good. The following was inspired by a character of the Bible. The narrative created around this figure is fictional and is not intended to incur historical accuracy. Previously on Light Invisible. A week before we were supposed to return to Rome, we received word that a group of brutish invaders landed on the western shores of the market and were pillaging the towns nearby. Caius didn't flinch. He stepped forward and offered his sword. I know the young soldier came here on his own accord. However, I couldn't help but feel I was being looked after because the Lord sent a messenger to remind me that I, too, am chosen and that he has always been at my side. I realized I was out of emmer bread and black currants, so I decided to restock and head to the marketplace located in the center of Rome. An elder of the synagogue called out to me. You're a man walking with a heavy heart. We have a lot to talk about, my friend. Out of all the people wandering about the synagogue, I must be the only one who looks like he has nowhere to go. Why else would the elder call out to me? He was probably trying to get his act of charity in for the day and thought I was the perfect catch. However, my curiosity got the better of me, so I walked over to the elder, unsure of what his business was with me. You come by here very often, Censor. I see you walk by here every day. Either you really like Rabbi Yosef's preaching, or you're planning to run us out of business. Ah, but uh, my real guess is that you come here when you are very burdened with thoughts too heavy for you. And if I do, how do you suppose I deal with these thoughts, I asked. Help me unload the rest of this cart, and uh, and then I will see if I can help you unload what is on your mind, huh? Well, I guess I'm the one performing the act of charity now. There must have been ten crates full of fresh produce purchased from the marketplace on the elder's cart. It was enough food to host a banquet for the emperor himself. There were green melons, ripe tomatoes, succulent olives, and fresh bread. A pleasant sight for an empty stomach. As we finished unloading the last of the crates of the steps of the synagogue, I noticed, from afar, a gentle figure of some sort behind the large cedar tree right beside the tailor shop. As I lifted my hand to block the sun that was distorting my vision, the figure stepped out from behind a tree and revealed itself to be a woman. She was clothed in a faded linen tunic and wearing a dusky yellow veil that covered a good portion of her dark brown hair. I can't say she was a familiar face, but she looked at me as though she had seen mine before. When she noticed we had locked eyes, she quickly darted her attention elsewhere, as if to pretend she didn't see me. 
One more crate, my friend. The elder interjected as he waited for me to pass him the crate of olives I was holding. After I handed him the last crate, I looked up to discover that the young woman had disappeared. A full sun and an empty stomach must make a good recipe for hallucinations, I thought. You men of God eat well. Must be expensive to purchase such amounts of food each week, I questioned. We eat well when there is reason to eat well. But uh, until then, we must focus on the preparations, said the elder. Preparations for what, I might ask? Ah, uh, but uh, the right question is, for whom are we preparing? And the answer is, the Anointed One, the Christ, the Messiah. Take your pick. He has brought joy to his people and light to those living in darkness, he said with great conviction. Preparing for the Lord entails the feast, I asked. Heavens, no. These preparations will get you nowhere. Like most things on this earth, it will pass away. But what we prepare for in our hearts will be everlasting. I'm sorry, but I don't follow. Yes, uh, that seems to be the dilemma of our time. No one can seem to follow, or rather, they do not know whom to follow. Let me explain it this way. You see, this time of preparation is a way to allow Christ to be born in us each and every day, so that we might better fashion ourselves in His likeness. We do this when we entertain God's presence in our lives, by listening to His Word in order to follow more closely. It has nothing to do with big feasts or lavish worship spaces. It has everything to do with adjusting our vision to see a world marked by God's point of view. I was so struck by the depth of these words that I became more eager to share the questions that had been stirring in me ever since I began reading Luke's Gospel. The trouble was where to start. This all seems a noble pursuit, but I am sure you are aware of the violence and oppression that have struck this city. Unimaginable human suffering grips us each day. How do you keep it from consuming you? The elder, who might not have expected such a question, simply bowed his head in thought, then looked over at the crates of food resting on the steps of the synagogue. He bent down and picked up a lush green olive, then tossed it over to me. I caught it without much warning and studied it for a second, trying to decipher if this had anything to do with my question. Do you know where the best olives are grown here? The elder asked. In the Parma Valley, just south of these city walls, I answered. Precisely! Where the olive trees are sometimes exposed to the harshest winds and unpredictable storms that come from the coast. But how is it that they are still able to produce an abundant harvest? How do they not perish? He asked. Well, there are roots. Right again! But what is more, once the storm has passed, they allow its residue to nourish stronger roots. 
given the darkness that surrounds us in our present moment, we would do well to act the same. We must be rooted in God and allow the residue of our dark climate to nurture our hope for healing that will make us resilient in the face of despair. Starting to make sense now. Starting to, yes, I responded. Do me a favor. Try not to solve the mysteries of God all in one day, huh? One last thought for you. It has been God's plan all along to bring salvation to the world. He had to do it through particular people. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the prophets. Cannot God also bring redemption through particular events in our time, no matter how gloomy or dispiriting they may be? Perhaps they can be just as effective in changing our hearts. As the elder finished this reflection, those ancient prayers began once more in the synagogue and echoed into the streets. It all felt surreal, the prayers, the words of the elder, the sudden silence that overcame the square. In that moment, I felt as if all that was weighing upon me melted away. It was a moment truly touched by God, a God whose presence is becoming more abundantly real to me. I felt as if I was placed right in Luke's account of the birth of Christ, like he was right in front of me, and all I had to do was reach out and place my hand on the infant king, and that is where I reached my next quandary. There is one thing I don't quite understand. It was God's plan to bring salvation to the world through his only son, so why was it that he would send his son, who was no doubt precious to him, as a defenseless and ordinary child. The elder chuckled a bit, then responded, Because God wanted to take the whole human journey with us, to make the full sacrifice on this earth, Christ had to make the full commitment. That is why he became vulnerable why he came without armor or horse or sword to conquer every challenge and struggle common to humanity, including struggles like yours. Word has reached the streets about your son, my deepest sympathies. Whatever happened to him, though, you can be assured that God was with him too. I slowly shook my head in agreement, then extended my hand until it embraced his. Thank you for everything I said. The elder clasped his other hand on mine and said, Suffering is only ever for a moment. Make sure you give yourself time to pause and see the God who knows what he is doing. With a rather large smile on my face, I bowed to the elder, kissed his hand, and started to take my leave when the elder grabbed my arm and gave me a little tug to pull me back in place. Before you go, as a thank you for helping me unload this cart, please take something for your own feast. The elder picked up one of the small crates and handed it to me. 
This is very generous of you, but I... You wouldn't reject a gift from an elder, would you? Shalom, my brother. And may your preparations lead you to welcomes that holy light we all eagerly await. Taking another crate, the elder made his way up the stairs of the synagogue and vanished behind its large columns. There I stood, in the empty streets, in a speechless moment. I was so overcome with feelings of gratitude that I almost forgot I was holding this crate in my hand. Loosening this wooden top, I opened the crate and was astonished when I saw the contents inside, emmer bread and black currants. It was then I had an epiphany. This is not only a God who loves us, but one that likes to show off. Evening was approaching and I decided to head back home and take a quicker route through an alley. As I strolled through the first alleyway, my path became blocked by a figure that was oddly familiar to me. Taking a closer look, I realized it was the woman with the yellow veil that was tracking me from behind the cedar tree. She had a concerned look upon her face and it seemed her concentration was not on mine. I recognize that necklace you wear from the soldier in the Eastern Market. How did it come into your possession? She questioned. My necklace? Wait, you know my son Caius? Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our website to discover other episodes at franciscanvoice.com dot org.